I was so stunned when I saw that. I thought, this is, this is a, 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 a deeply thought through plan to deprive you of real representation. So how is this legal? And how is it that people aren't talking about it? That is Carol Cunahome, the head of Fair Districts PA. And what she's reacting to was a piece in the Wall Street Journal that explained Project Red Map, the Republican strategy to maximize the party's gains in the 2011 National Congressional Redistricting. The author of that piece? Famed Republican strategist Karl Rove. It's one of the things that led her to found Fair Districts PA, an energetic citizens group that wants to make sure no political party can ever again do in their state what Project Red Map did for the GOP in 2011, tilt the electoral playing field sharply in its favor. I'm Chris Citullo, and this is Draw the Lines, the podcast that delves deeply into the fight to slay the gerrymander. The people have the right to alter and reform. The people have the right to alter If you are a centrist or a moderate in a district that is overwhelmingly partisan, you really don't have a chance to win. There is no path to victory for Trump in Pennsylvania. He saw the word homicide and opened the door. It was the wrong door, but people were going to die. You have the uh, Speaker of the House at North Carolina who comes out and says, this is a 10-3 Republican congressional map because I don't think I can draw an 11-2 congressional map. And I thought, is this, is this legal? I mean, and who would say it? Who would say it in public like this? I feel like really almost anybody could draw a better map than that. That basically strapped this case to a rocket. You know, sometimes the answer to the problem is a really obvious one lying in front of you. It's the lines. Hi, Michigan. I'm Jennifer Lawrence. Proposal 2 stops politicians from rigging our democracy. It's called gerrymandering. We are a way for each of us to act and make our system better. With so much money in our elections and gifts from lobbyists in Jefferson City, Missouri politicians can get a little carried away. Rules to govern the process right here in Utah. Proposition 4 will give voters the right to make their voices heard and hold our politicians accountable. Vote yes on Prop 4. In this episode, we're going to explore why the fired-up citizen reformers of Pennsylvania could not achieve what their counterparts in those other states did last year. Why did Fair Districts PA, which boasts more than 20,000 members, fall short of its goal, an independent citizens redistricting commission that would end partisan gerrymandering? Thereby hangs a tale of money versus passion, of why geography matters, and why sometimes caring greatly and working tremendously hard just are not enough. Four years ago, fair districts did not exist. And Carol Cunahome was a former youth pastor living in the part of suburban Philadelphia called the Upper Main Line. She was a politically aware person, a member of the League of Women Voters, someone who followed the news and tried to figure out how one issue connected to another. But her real political education was just about to begin. In 2015, the statewide head of the League of Women Voters invited Cunaholm to take part in a legislative briefing on election reform proposals. So Susan Carty invited me since I was our election reform specialist. She said, we're going to be talking about gerrymandering. And I said, what? <laughs> I don't know what gerrymandering is. I think I, I must have 
not I, I don't know that it was a thing in high school. We I don't remember ever hearing about gerrymandering. I was really stunned when I started researching this. Her research led her to that Wall Street Journal piece by Republican strategist Karl Rove, who laid out the idea of Project Red Map with stark candor. And I thought, is this is this legal? I mean, and who would say it? Who would say it in public like this to say, we are deliberately going to throw money into flipping state legislative seats so that we can legally gerrymander congressional districts so that we can take districts, seats that don't belong to us, and control Congress. As Cunaholm dug into the issue and began meeting with other League members, she encountered some who knew well the messy history of gerrymandering, the ins and outs of how it is done. But in those discussions, something was missing. So I asked what the plan was, and, and they really didn't have one. I suggested what we really need to do is uh, create a coalition of organizations that are interested in this, create a website. I had already built a couple websites for other things, and I said, we'll just build a website. And, um, and, and we need a name, I mean, just to have a group of, saying we have a group of people who call, you know, have a conference call, it does not communicate well, so we need a name, and it needs to be a name that we can tweet. And actually I had been in conversation with people around the country who were working on this, so I knew there was a Fair Districts Florida. I had talked with uh, Ellen Frieden, the leader of that, about what they were doing. I knew there was a Fair Districts Ohio. I asked both, do you mind if we use that same name, uh, Fair Districts PA? It couldn't be Pennsylvania because it's too long. It needed to be short enough to tweet. This was early 2016. A few good government groups were involved, the League of Women Voters, Common Cause of Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Council of Churches. Meetings were taking place, but not much was getting built, including a sense of hope. I started asking people if you could change one thing in electoral policy in Pennsylvania that would create a more responsive and representative government. What would that one thing be? And everybody I talked to said, oh, if you could fix gerrymandering, then you might get back to having real representation in Harrisburg. But everybody I talked to said, but that will never happen. Um, it's not possible. Carol Cunahome grew up stubborn. I could see the Bronx from my bedroom window. Just outside of New York City in the Pelhams. I live with my grandmother. My parents kind of vanished when I was really small. I live with my grandmother in a really wealthy community, and there were four of us living with a grandparent who was had had four sons and then had four more kids, and we were probably the poorest people we knew and also the most uh, unusual household. We lived in a really wealthy community where everybody had two parents and nannies and gardeners and all that great stuff, and we were obviously outliers in that. When I think about what I'm doing now, part of it is fueled by growing up knowing that I was not privileged but in a system that gave great opportunity and resources to kids who were not privileged. And because of great you know, scholarship opportunities in New York State and great schools and great school libraries, I actually was able to go to grad school here at Penn and got a Ph.D. in American Lit. Along the way, she met her husband. Um, he was a very good person. Raised three kids, did the usual suburban parent things, PTA, Girl Scouts, bringing the cupcakes for holiday parties at school. And I had gotten really interested in kids and in how do you create an environment where every kid can thrive. Eventually, she became a youth pastor at her church in Paoli, Pennsylvania, trying initiatives to lift her young charges out of their bubble of privilege, such as a summer exchange with a church in Philly's Kensington neighborhood. All along, she heard a voice in her head. And in this America, millions of young people grow up 
in the sunlight of opportunity. I grew up in church, and when I heard Martin Luther King speak... But tragically and unfortunately, there is another America. I love the resonance of, I could hear scripture in what he said, and the resonance of the prophetic, the prophetic voice. This other America has a daily ugliness about it that constantly transforms the buoyancy of hope into the fatigue of despair. Of um, a world where every kid, every kid had a chance, every kid had a voice, every kid was welcome. I, I love that vision and it's, it's really been part of my motivation ever since. So I carry that with me and I feel that in this state. I drive across the state and I say, this is a beautiful state and it's rich in resources and it's rich in history and it's rich in wonderful people and it makes me furious that a handful of people with a narrative of division are trying to carve out power for themselves in a way that harms all of us and wouldn't we all be better off if this system worked for all of us? And that's, that's the vision that I carry with me, and it, it keeps me motivated and it keeps me moving. So as 2016 moved along, Kunaholm tried to turn Fair Districts PA into a thing. It had a couple of volunteers, a website, and a Twitter feed. Decision now, the Fox then. News decision desk has called Pennsylvania for Donald Trump. This means that Donald Trump will be the 45th president of the United States, winning the After that shocker, things changed. Strangers started calling and emailing to ask what they could do. Conference calls that used to have a handful of people on them suddenly had 70. Still, Cunaholm didn't have a great sense of how much things had changed until one frigid night in January 2017. She showed up for Fair District's first public event that night. It was held at a church in the shadow of Philadelphia City Hall, just a couple of blocks from the Lowe's Hotel where that same night... So many friends. Thank you very much. Sit down. The president-elect was meeting with Republican congressmen. The state of Pennsylvania is very special to me for lots of reasons, especially from a couple of months ago, remember? <laughs> Pennsylvania cannot be one, remember? Cunahome was expecting to address... A cozy group. I've, I've always been a little afraid of um, speaking in public. I tend to hyperventilate and turn bright red. Um, and so about 100 people was at that time about my max. And I said, oh, let's find a venue that will hold 100 people. And he said, how about 200? And I said, well, okay, we'll try. <laughs> and I got to the Arch Street United Methodist Church a block from City Hall and realized, wait a second, <laughs> he lied. This is much bigger, and it holds about 900, and the place was packed. And there were people standing against the back wall. And they were young, and they were, they were taking notes. And I, and I remember walking in and realizing, I don't even have a table to put my projector on. We had to scrounge around and find a um, card table. And, and that was kind of the moment I realized something, is, something has changed, and this is going to take over my life. I just want to start by saying that people say, I've been told, reform is not possible in Pennsylvania. People outside the state have said you don't have initiative and referendum. You have one of the most entrenched legislatures in the world. Reform is not possible. And yet, look at you here. Look at you here. Look at how many people... I actually was there at that Methodist church that night, and Cunahome 
is not exaggerating. That sanctuary was packed in a way that would give fire marshals apoplexy. And everyone stayed to the end, hanging on every word of her meticulously wonky tour of the issue. What I realize is people know something's broken. Um, they're, they're worried that uh, our representative democracy feels like it's, it's very fragile. People hadn't realized that it was that fragile. And they were really concerned, and they wanted to understand what's broken, how do we fix it, how do we engage. By spring 2017, Fair District's PA was packing them in all across the state, picking up passionate volunteers in snowball-heading downhill fashion, devising tactics and goals as it rolled along. It all happened organically. I mean, the whole, the whole Fair District's PA has been people saying, what if we did... This, I, I um, was doing a meeting in Westchester, and a young woman named Jamie Mogul, a lawyer, came up to me afterwards and said, I've been writing you emails, and you haven't responded. I had kind of gotten drowned by emails. She said, I think you need to be doing resolutions in local municipalities and counties in support of this. Um, and I said, I don't even know what that means. And she described it, and I said, that is a genius idea. Would you like to organize it? And she agreed to do that. So the whole organ, the whole... Our whole movement has been people saying, I think we should do this, and me saying, would you like to do that? And if they say yes, then off we go, and it happens. And if they say no, I say, nice idea, <laughs> and we move in a different direction. It's been very, very organic. Early on, Fair District zeroed in on a favored solution to the problem of gerrymandering, the type of independent citizens commission used by the state of California. There, commission members are rigorously vetted to make sure none are partisan wolves in citizens' clothing. Fair District's phalanx of volunteers soon came to believe in that idea with cult-like fervor. Still, their plan faced a huge hurdle. In Pennsylvania, the change would require an amendment to the state constitution. And the only way to get that would be to get the state legislature, the very people whose power would be curbed by the amendment, to approve it. Twice. Then and only then would a decisive state referendum be held on the proposal. Given the time it would take to clear all those hurdles before 2021, when maps get drawn next, fair districts faced a looming deadline of July 1st, 2018 for the first passage of its amendment. So the group got busy. The people have the right to alter and reform. The, the people have the right to alter and reform. Combining some moves from 60s-era activism with modern digital tools. Some group members loved the new organizing tools like Slack. Others... We had some volunteers who were older and retired and kept saying, Carol, you're killing us. <laughs> we don't, you know, don't give us one more of these. You know, no, I'm not doing it. And we did lose a few people, but um, it made it possible for people across the state to really communicate and work well together. And I have to tell you, one of the things I love, I mean, there's a lot that I've really grown to love about what we're doing. One is people who've never been involved kind of get a little involved and then a little more involved, and then they find themselves doing things they never envisioned themselves doing and doing them well. Packing the state capitol for rallies, pressuring lawmakers, urging local and county governments to pass resolutions. I've been at many rallies here in the capitol. There have been some rallies that filled up the first floor. There have been a few that had people on the second floor. I don't know if I've ever been at a rally where folks were up on the fourth floor letting their voice. 
Fair districts kept up the energy through 2017 in the first half of the next year. Eventually, it got a majority of the members of the State House to co-sponsor its bill and got some powerful senators to say yes as well. Heady with those early successes and unaccustomed to the backroom ways of the Capitol, the group's leaders didn't spend much time thinking of fallback plans should the amendment fail to pass, which, of course, is exactly what happened. So what went wrong? Well, some of those lawmakers who co-sponsored the bill did so only because they were pretty sure it would never come up for a vote, which turned out to be a safe bet. A powerful Republican committee chair never let the original proposal even come up for a vote in the House. In the Senate, a watered-down version did pass, but only after Republicans inserted a poison pill amendment on an unrelated matter that ensured no Democrat would vote for the revised version. One day, Fair Districts was on a roll, then seemingly overnight, the air rushed out of the balloon. This was a rude lesson for a lot of citizens who'd learned many things about political activism, but had never before had to confront the canny, granite resistance of entrenched power defending its prerogatives. The summer of 2018 turned into a glum, reflective time for Fair Districts volunteers, whom Carol Cunahome is one. She's never taken a cent for this work. Basically, I, I tell everybody, you're allowed a day. You're allowed a day to despair, and you're allowed a day to be angry, and then come back and keep working. I asked her what she knows now that she wishes she'd known when she started the journey. Her answer was still tinged with more hope than cynicism. I wish I had had a better glimpse into the inner workings of Harrisburg. I think that would probably be the thing. If I had had a clear glimpse into that sooner we might have um, been more quickly effective in what we were trying to do. She said she sees now that activists' instinct to take an antagonistic attitude towards incumbent lawmakers isn't always the best way to go. I think it took us a while to realize uh, there are a lot of legislators in Harrisburg who are very frustrated. They go there to do good things. They find that their hands are tied. They find that they're expected to vote as they're told. And so I think if we had realized that sooner, we could have we could have been leveraging that in conversations with them. Um, and certainly we're looking for ways to, to help them be more effective in what they're doing. And, and fixing gerrymandering is certainly a big piece of that. Do what Carol Cunahome has done over the last couple of years, and you get to glimpse the best of Pennsylvania's people and the worst of its politics. One of the things I talk about is the narrative of division and how both parties have really used the narrative of division to maintain their own power and to drum up votes for their own party. And, you know, when you look at Pennsylvania, you see, you know, the east side of the state, you know, pitted against the west side, the rural pitted against the urban, you know, families against teachers, older people against teachers, you know, because of property tax. It's so divisive. And you think we all really, really want the same thing. We want to a healthy economy. We want good jobs for our kids. We want kids to be well-educated. Uh, we want safe communities. I mean, we, we there's so much that unites us, and yet we're given these narratives that, that when you start digging into the details, you realize that's not accurate. It's not true. There are good solutions that are not being discussed, that are not being enacted, and it won't happen until we change the way things happen in Harrisburg and in, in Congress. One victory over the 2011 gerrymander did occur in 2018, but in state courts, not the General Assembly. 
Fair districts had little to do with it. In fact, you might say this development so confused Pennsylvanians that it complicated fair districts' work. Here's what happened. In February of last year, the state Supreme Court tossed out the congressional map the Republican majority had drawn in 2011. It agreed with plaintiffs in a suit who argued that the map was so biased it was unconstitutional. So the court replaced that map with one drawn by a Stanford professor. If you want the inside story about that court case, another episode of Draw the Lines takes you behind the curtain with Ben Geffen, the lawyer who won the case. The effect of the new map was immediate and stark. In previous elections under the map, no matter what else was going on in the state politically, the result of every Pennsylvania congressional election was a 13-5 Republican majority. Last November, using the new map, the split was 9-9. This has led some satisfied Democrats to lose interest in Fair District's cause, and this frustrates Carol Cunaholm on two counts. One, She knows the court ruling just fixed one bad map, not the process that has churned out bad maps and could do so again in 2021, if not fixed. Two, the court's ruling has nothing to do with how state legislators get elected. The real issue in Pennsylvania is what happens in our state capitol. That impacts all of us every day. And I think most people have not paid close enough attention to the fact that policy made in Harrisburg or made in our state capitals, whatever they are, impacts all of us every day. And we need to be much more attentive to how that policy is made and who is making it and how those people are elected. So Fair Districts fights on. The group has taken on a new uphill struggle, fixing the arcane rules and procedures of the state General Assembly that tend to make it a place where good ideas and needed reforms go to die. What's more, Kunoman comrades haven't given up hope for a Citizens Commission to draw the congressional districts next time. This is a change that, unlike the state maps, doesn't require a constitutional amendment. In closing, a few of my own thoughts about Fair Districts PA. I have spent my entire journalistic career in Pennsylvania. I sometimes joke that a just God decided to punish me for my many sins, by decreeing that I would spend my entire life covering the maddening backward politics of my adopted state. Over all those years, Fair Districts is the most impressive, dynamic, and righteous explosion of citizen activism I've seen. Its motives were pure. Its anger was over a threat to the foundations of democracy. Unlike some previous uprisings, its fuel wasn't petty, selfish ire over a tax hike or a pay raise. It was truly bipartisan. Fair District's members did their homework. They didn't just have a complaint. They had a carefully researched solution. Watching them grow and throw a scare into the powers that be was inspiring and impressive. So what went wrong? Fair District's cohorts were naive about the ways of power, and they were too enamored of their pet solution, which had a practical flaw. It would have cut the very lawmakers whose votes they needed to pass it totally out of the new system for drawing maps. And you won't find too many politicians who will vote to make themselves irrelevant to a process that determines their own job security. The Fully Independent Citizens Commission was a great opening bid, a strong statement of principle. But few who know the ways of Harrisburg ever thought it could pass as proposed. It was a hell of a bargaining chip, as long as you recognize that's what it was. 
Nonetheless, the kind of organized, informed energy that fair districts brought to bear could have accomplished something big, and still could in the future. It's not too late to pry out of the state capitol a set of useful, significant reforms of gerrymandering that go far beyond what the usual suspects of Harrisburg culture would ever have thought possible. No, it is not too late for that to happen. I still hope and believe it can. It's just a shame that two familiar flaws of the novice, letting the perfect be the enemy of the good and believing your own press releases, set the noble fair district's effort up for the crushing disappointments of last summer. But the folks of fair districts have not given up. And I still believe their efforts will bear some fruit, even if it's not exactly what they once hoped. Draw the Lines is a production of the Committee of 70, a nonpartisan, nonprofit good government group based in the birthplace of democracy, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Our producer is Joel Patterson. This episode was recorded both at the studios of WXPN Public Radio in Philly and at Kelly Writer's House on the University of Pennsylvania campus. Thanks to Mike Vasilikos of WXPN and to Zach Cardner of Writer's House for all their help on this project. Music is by Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is made possible by grants from the William Penn Foundation, the Hillman Foundation, and the Heinz Endowments. Coming up on our next episode, a talk with Kyle Hines, the baby-faced 15-year-old youth champion of the Draw the Lines mapping competition. You'll want to hear what he has to say. So until then, let me leave you with this thought. It is our house. It should be our mouse. Let us slay the gerrymander.